Welcome to RMIT Creative The Salon. Every Tuesday, we sit down and discuss topics that interest us, texts that we loved, or things that made us angry. We share, we chat, and usually it morphs into a crazy discussion about many recommendations on things to watch, listen, or read. If you would like to join us, you can head over to our Facebook group, RMIT Creative The Salon, to participate at 3pm on Tuesdays. In the Facebook group, you will also find links to recommendations talked about in the show and sneak peeks about what we will be discussing next week. So I'd like to begin by acknowledging countries. I like to acknowledge the first peoples of the land from which I join you today, which is the Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung language groups of the Eastern Kulin Nations. Their people have been living, conversing and sharing knowledge on this land for thousands of years. I pay my respects to their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging, and to the elders and members of other communities who may join us today. I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this land always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Um, I'll just introduce myself. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm assisting facilitating this conversation as part of RMIT Creative. And today we've got two really exciting questions that we're going to be discussing in the salon. And I'm going to hand you over to Andreas who is the president of the RMIT Capital Club, uh, to introduce the first question for discussion today. Hi, thank you. In alignment with all the artsy, fartsy topics that have been presented through me over the past few weeks, I thought that today would be a good idea to talk about perhaps the factors that come after those creative endeavours are induced into an audience, after they've acknowledged them, after they've probably had it sunk into their system and realised, okay, so this is my formulated opinion. It could be instantly after, it could be uh, a little bit more of like a time period after, because again, some projects are very much heightened on specific emotions and the way that they're presented and whatnot. But in saying that, the question is, in regards to any sort of creative medium, do the reviews that follow really matter? Do they aid the process of an audience or any sort of other creative acknowledging and appreciating the piece in a constructive way, perhaps a derogative way or a supportive way, because reviews for any given project can go either way, really. They could be simply to properly acknowledge the foundations of a piece that are brought into a positive light. They've done a good job in any sort of medium. They've had good performances. The script is fantastic and et cetera, et cetera. Or they could be simply frowned upon by some egotistical critic in a darkened department in Washington. Example, example. (laughs) That's just me being a little bit negative because personally, sometimes reviews are not necessarily helpful in the development of a project. Sometimes they just get under the skin of things. But at the end of the day, everybody does have the right to review a piece. They do have the right to acknowledge a piece for whatever they feel their opinion rests upon and at the end of the day it's also good to share that and we have someone new just to show them we're just starting to talk about the two different perspectives of a movie review if it's a beneficial or not beneficial to any sort of movie production that is made especially given the current political climate as in every time someone finds a way to sort of establish a sense of reality within their movie reviews, connecting the film project to an issue that's happening in the current world as we speak, any sort of little hidden thing. But most of the time it's justified. Most of the time it's per the filmmaker's requirements, per the filmmaker's directorial creative vision, which is also appropriate. 
but it's also just interesting to see that connection with a film review and how that is acknowledged in a say 21st century climate especially seeing as that we are at the dawn not not the dawn like the birth of a new decade in our wonderful century that is starting off really beautifully if i do say so much um and just in saying that it's just interesting to see the relationship of an audience and a review based because it's just that whole process of getting an audience approval essentially because there's lots of times when an audience review process is brought in by the creative film production companies or producers will instigate a session where review reviewers or a first audience will come and see uh, early concept of the film and whatnot and they'll just decide okay this is what i like this is what i didn't like they'll have a whole process of a like a questionnaire sheet that they'll tick off little boxes that say this was effective this wasn't effective and that's like a instigated process from the creative to actually acknowledge this is what the audience likes this is what they don't like and this is something that we should go towards in regards to a secondary process of refining the film with all the notes given used in that process but then there's also once the movie is produced and brought to a public and released on their release date how every day people going to see a said film will actually acknowledge the film in any way they see fit based on what they like and enjoy about the film there's opinions that get formulated from that can often be judged upon the film itself but there are often times when people might jump on the bandwagon and follow along with someone else's review because at the end of the day sometimes people don't take enough time to actually acknowledge a piece and just formulate a review based on the opinion of someone else in 2014 the academy awards when it came to voting for best picture there were a few people who simply not a few anonymous academy members who admitted to voting for best picture 12 years of slave without having seen the film and that just goes to show that this film had such a critical reception and everybody really appreciated it and loved it for what it was but at the same time that might have given some people the notion and an idea that they didn't necessarily need to see it they just acknowledged universally that it was a good film therefore it deserved the award given an awards season award show setting like that that's probably a little bit inappropriate in the sense of um basing like a mass heavily regarded award based on someone else's opinion as opposed to your own which is something that happens every now and again but it does get better and it's not something that everybody does everybody does appreciate that film especially seeing as award shows like the academy awards do actually send out little packages of the film itself with the for your consideration slogan on them which could be like a copy of the film itself a copy of the script a copy of the soundtrack etc etc so it's just interesting to see from an audience perspective general audience and from a creative professional industry sense performance level those two areas and how they contrast and contradict each other but how sometimes they're also very similar because there could be an underlining whole idea of how this one particular film is universally regarded as amazing from an all different perspective sort of jury for example Twelve Years a Slave or there could be a film that is very much on the fence there are people who disliked it who did like it which could which always happens because film reviewing is a process that is very it's just it's very different because every time someone does formulate their idea everybody else will always have a contradictory idea but there is that idea of 
people wanting to simply follow along with someone. They don't want to formulate their idea by themselves. And personally, I don't really think that that's a very good thing for people to do if they just want to follow along based on someone else's idea, therefore hindering their viewing of the film because they think it's something that they won't enjoy based on someone else. For example, I have a friend who very much thinks of that really, and every time we sort of have like a movie night or whatever, I'll just say, let's go, let's watch this film or this film, and then they'll just pull their phone out and look at the reviews and just go, mm, maybe not. And I'm just puzzled every time because it's just like, that's not your opinion, that's the opinion of someone else. And that so greatly influences your decision on the viewing of this film, which is just both really puzzling and interesting, but also just a bit disappointing. So I suppose the major question for everybody else here is should people really take movie reviews into consideration and do they really matter in the long run? I'd love to hear what other people have to say about that. Uh, yes, particularly like sometimes there's uh, movies that uh, have gotten a lot of bad reviews or a lot of bad press and then you watch it and you love it. Um, exactly. Or vice versa, there's ones that have got um, really amazing reviews and you see it and you're like, oh. <laughs> um, does anyone have any examples of something where uh, the reviews disagreed with your own opinion? Um, I, I know that, um, uh, what's the movie? It was like the musical and it was, it, they thought it had won Best Picture, but it was actually Moonlight. La La Land. La La Land, yeah. See, everyone really liked that, but I was sort of like, eh. I, I found it pretty fine. It was fine, but I wouldn't have said it was, like, even close to Best Picture winning, personally. Yeah, um, yeah I would agree with you, yeah. That didn't really strike a chord for me. I love, are you, yeah? I love with Weeplash, though. Is it Weeplash? Oh, yeah. Weeplash. Yeah. That's a good Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting story uh, behind that because that filmmaker made Whiplash to get a big enough profile to make La La Land, but arguably oh, wow. Whiplash is a much better film. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think La La Land just had, like, I love the La La Land soundtrack, mm. um, but I guess it's kind of, I just remember, like, my dance teacher getting a bit annoyed that they, like, two big celebrity stars got cast as the main characters and then they get them to, br they bring in dancing doubles um, to do all the dance parts of this movie. And it's like, if you want to have a dancing musical movie, like we always, um, I don't dance anymore, yeah, but it's Hello. always so pushed. Like if you want to, if you go up to a dance teacher, say you're 16, you're like I want to dance full time, like, well, you need to do singing and acting lessons. Like it's not acceptable to just be a dancer anymore in the industry. And so it makes me a bit frustrated when people are like, oh, you have to be a triple threat. And then they, all these big celebrities, they can just do whatever they want. And like exactly. that person like, probably could have acted and, and sung and danced all the parts and then you wouldn't have to like Photoshop. Yeah. Anyway. But I, I guess it ties into that other element of like the industry element of like where you can get funding when you have a big name. And again, like you were saying, uh, Andreas, like funding uh, could really pay into like reviews. Mm. Um, and sort of the critical response to a film can sort of be, I, I guess it, it depends, like the industry or the, the studio behind it may really push a certain, um, a certain outcome. And by inviting a lot of reviewers or, you know, uh, choosing an audience to base 
the edit ones and things like that. Mm. So how much can you trust those reviews? Exactly. Different people and sources. It's also really interesting because the reviews themselves are such a strong foundation for how a film is received that say a film that was released which is like this big blockbuster um project is also a film that is a designated film in the starting point for a whole series which the series is inevitably cancelled because the film reviews just didn't aid the film at all as well as the box office itself which in a sense those reviews hindered the box office result because they were in a sense stopping people from going to see the film because it's just like, here's an opinion, you should follow it instead of formulating your own. Yeah, um, has anyone uh, here ever ever seen a movie based on the reviews? No. No? Um, no, yes. Uh, what I didn't have a topic. Oh, sorry, okay. Yeah, I didn't have an opportunity for that. Yeah. Sure. What What would um What would make you choose to see a movie? Uh, I think it's more the review, <laughs> basically the views first. Then I go for the movies because basically I'm an indie and uh, I have uh, like. I choose to watch movies which have good, uh, like, I really like sci-fi movies. Yeah. Which mm. I go for, and uh, it, uh, which has a very futuristic concepts, and which talks about, uh, what you can say, uh, scientific theories, and yeah, so, yeah, so, and with, which really helps me to connect somehow from what is going to what is happening in the present and how it is we gonna in the future. So that's where I uh, connect myself with the film industry. Yeah. Yes, of course. So it's it's more the concept of the movie and what it's about yep. that draws you yeah. to it rather than what mm-hmm. other people have decided or think think it's like. And sometimes, yeah, when you go, when when I watch movie after, like before watch, going for a movie, when I see the reviews, so I think 80% it really, uh, like, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, like, uh, uh, reviewed nicely, but mm-hmm. 20%, uh, like, hardly I really... Uh, like I really, I was not able to uh, um, like like review review was uh, review really helped me 80% times. Yeah. To go to go and watch for the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely understand personally. Like, I I definitely understand. Yeah, wanting to find out a little bit about the movie first, and it may be that the reviewer didn't like it, but if they're a fair reviewer and they describe the concept, then you can see that it would be something you'd be interested in. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, teaser teasers help helps a lot. <laughs> Some sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't um, it like um? I was this is off topic, but um. My, one of my favorite comedians, Eliza, in her latest um, Netflix special, she, whenever she makes a joke, she, like, pretends to be the, like, blogger in the back that's, like, reviewing her show and will then take her, like, one joke out of context and, like, pretend 
to doing a quick blog post about this per- imaginary person that's like live, live blogging her event. And she just like kind of takes like one little section of her own joke out of context to make it seem like she's saying something she's definitely not. <laughs> um, and just kind of reminds you that sometimes like people can be taken or the movie or a person can be taken out of context. Oh, also, absolutely. definitely watch her. Definitely. Mm. But uh, like, I wanted to know how long a movie can be in your mind. Like, how long it can be. Like, for yeah. me, uh, sometimes uh, I am when uh, when I'm uh, sometimes it it goes till you can say a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really uh, like. And uh, generally happens that way. Yeah, I really watch one or two movies in a month. I can't watch watch more than that. So how you guys are like? What 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 are your approaches towards that? Like, oh, how many movies do I watch in a month? Oh, yeah. that really depends on how busy I am. Sometimes at the moment I'm watching more than I thought I than I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but. I feel like I don't watch as many movies as I should. I tend to watch TV more, actually. But um, mainly because, like, I just like developing a story a bit more. Um, but I find that I don't know because I, like, watch so many movies just on Netflix on my phone. But I'm not – it's not like, oh, like, every – it used to be that like every Friday night we'd sit down with my family. We'd, like, watch a movie together. Now we have heaps of unopened movies because we can't decide on a movie that matches all four of us. So I feel like I just don't really, like, yeah, I'm not sure because I, I'll, if I start a movie, I would like, I can easily stop it and just come back to it. It's not as, like, it's not a process anymore, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's it's true. Interesting. Yeah, how the process of hmm. taking in movies has changed. Like, it used to be that you had to buy a ticket, you had to make a time and buy a ticket and go to a, a, a theatre. And then yeah. it got to the point where you'd, you'd all go to the blockbuster and hire something or, yeah. you'd, or you'd watch it on a Friday night. You'd check the green guide. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd, you'd see which, which TV, like, you know, which, which channel has the best movies. And you'd sort of like, you know, maybe you'd be recording it and you'd be fast forwarding through the ads. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, yeah. And now it's, you can just watch anything anytime. So it's sort of, yeah, it is interesting. I think, I would say that you can watch too many movies because I do think they blur together if you watch too many, particularly back to back. Would you agree? It's, it's interesting to see that evolution, like you were saying, how like the theatre and the blockbuster and the Green Guide and whatnot, and it's still like changing to this day. Like even though everyone still watches Netflix and whatnot and whatnot, there's still also that um, drop in presence of people going to the cinemas, especially as well. Like there's all those case studies and whatnot, but even me as like an avid movie goer and I'm like missing it so much nowadays for obvious reasons um yeah there's just that presence of zero presence really of an of an audience within the cinema because it's just like not that many people going anymore because they've just got such a rich access to um the availability of movies on any streaming service or whatnot and from my perspective like I'll probably go to the cinema maybe twice a week on average outside of yeah, that's what I'm It's just like, that's expensive. can you tell them a film? Dude, no, I go on the cheap days. I've like pinpointed that's everything. Cool. It's like the cheap day at this date, cheap day here, cheap day here. Like, I don't pay like more than like 10 bucks for a cinema ticket anymore. Oh my God. 
drive-through movies. I know. What happened to those? Okay, they'll be making a comeback. There they is will. one. Sorry, this is so random, but there's one in the north of Melbourne, Coburn, and it's yeah. so in Coburg. It's so cheap to go to the drive-in movies. How much is it? It's like maybe ten dollars. Like you're saying, like ten dollars. Oh, That's I need to go. So it's a drive-in. Um, yes, yeah. So you drive in your car, best. and you and the, it's okay. like I think there's like three different screens and. You yeah. tune your car radio into a particular frequency, mm-hmm. and that is the sound, the audio of the movie. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. I don't recommend going to see a horror film, a because you have to watch <laughs> it in the dark, and b like it's better to go see like light-hearted, light, lightly shot movies because otherwise, when it's a horror film, it gets ruined because it's like cars driving with their lights on. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, what's the last movie that everyone saw in the theaters? Can you remember? The last movie I saw was Endgame. Oh wow! I I seen Endgame. Yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah. Yep. The I'm last movie. Ahead. Yeah. I'm more the last movie. Oh, true. That's very true. The last movie I watched was um, again that week before quarantine ended. I saw two films, <laughs> as you do. But the one that I saw, the last was The Invisible Man. Oh yeah. Oh, that one looks scary. It was, it's like really tension building and whatnot, but it was really brilliantly made. And it's also like Australian made as well, which is really cool to see as well. But it was very you know, good. The guy that get made it, uh, Lee Weno, he's from RMIT. He studied film at yeah, RMIT. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. That's amazing, John. Have you seen it as well? No, I haven't. No, I, I, I like the idea of it, but I am not good with scary movies. So <laughs> I don't need that in my head because then it just replays at night when I try to go to sleep. Yeah. I think uh-huh. I went to, I took my cousins while I was in the UK to see Sonic the Hedgehog, which oh is God. hilarious. I'm the worst movie person because I laugh so loud. Like, I laugh and scream. I get scared easily. So, like, I, like, I'm like, I laugh. But my sister's like, can you just be quiet? You're embarrassing me <laughs> when I go take it to the movies. Or I'll be like, oh, and, like, get shocked really easily. I do that too. The gasp. Yeah. <gasps> But that's sort of, I guess that's part of the the charm of being a movie with a in a theater with a big group of people. But I also think the interesting thing that is still so different about watching movies at home or at the theater is you just, I mean, when I'm watching a movie at home, even though I know I should be paying attention, I will still look at my phone. But in the, the cinema, that's really frowned upon. So I think you do pay more attention when you see something in the cinema. Yes. Mm-hmm. Although my mum, she doesn't like going to the cinema because she doesn't like having people like rustle when it's quiet but she also I there's I have a theory that everyone that hates like doesn't like going to see mum because people are annoying um get sat next to annoying people so she'll always <laughs> get sat next to someone that's on their phone or her has a kid running around and oh, she no. just drives her up the wall and she just like can't go to the cinema because people that don't sit still are always near her so she just like yeah she's like tries to avoid it as much as she can oh. but I think that it's interesting to see, even though Elizabeth, you said, like, it's frowned upon to be on your phone. And, like, when you go to the theatre, like, I'm the one that's, like, put your phone away. Like, I paid lots of money to see sitting in the seat. You're not ruining this for me. Um, and I'll, I'll stand up and say things. But I feel like even at the cinema, sometimes people, it's, like, just all those levels of casualness. Um, Definitely that I just, I'm like, no, I just, I don't want to see your light. Just be cool. Yeah. 
Next time playing. that happens to me, I'm going to say something like, who do you think you are? Goodness <laughs> me. Oh, I'm serious about that kind of thing. I was, please, I don't know if I had a part of before oh. the quarantine and somebody next to me was like on their phone and I was like, excuse me, please put your phone away. They're like, okay. <laughs> like this 19 year old being like, seriously. Okay. Good work. Like, away now. I paid a lot of money for this. Yeah. Well, I didn't, but my parents okay. did. I felt <laughs> like I should defend <laughs> them. I mean, it's relative. It's relative. <laughs> Someone paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> <laughs> Including them. Why are they going and then sitting on their phone? They could do that at home for free. <laughs> yeah, and um, sleeping also. People do sleep. Yes. That's and true. And this note. I... Uh. I have to admit, I fell asleep at the end of Fantastic Four in the cinema. <laughs> it was a great movie. You really enjoyed it, dude. Of course, because yeah. I was really, I was like really tired. And I think I did it in another DC movie that they just went for so long. And I was like, I thought it was the ending because like there's like a happy ending, but it's actually just a happy near ending. And then yeah. another little plot point joined in at the end. And I was like, I zonked off and then I woke up and it was like the end scene. And I was like, okay, well, the movie still made sense. Like, whatever. No complaints. I mean, that's a pretty savage review. (laughs) I fell asleep, missed the ending, woke up, it still made sense. And that just brings back to the point because that's totally a me problem that I was just too tired to stay awake. (laughs) And like, that's nothing to do with whether that last part of the movie was good or not. Oh. oh boy I think it it is interesting like I think what uh or back like sort of that I think that connects to the discussion your initial like questions uh Andreas of like I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty solid review to be like well I fell asleep because it was too long like I I don't think it's just mm. that you were tired because if it had been amazing you would have been awake you're awake yeah. for most of it it wasn't until so that kind of shows you that the ending was maybe not necessary um so it's interesting to see what uh, the difference is, I guess, where people have, I mean, I think with reviewers, some people are reviewing it from a critical perspective where they're like, I know a lot about film and these are the reasons from a technical perspective why I did or didn't like this. And then other people are just like, well, I enjoyed it or I didn't. But everyone has yeah. a kind of similar platform now. I mean, obviously I can't get published in the age, but I can definitely go and like hit up a bunch of blogs and run tomatoes and get my opinion out there. And so I guess, whether reviews are useful or not depends on what you're what you're looking for too. Like, yeah. do you want to be like, will you fall asleep at the end? Would that be something you'd want to know? <laughs> I just feel like the environment that you watch the movie in is like really relates to how you feel about it, especially at the cinema. I just have this memory of like, oh, I forget what movie it was, but we were out for dinner for my mum's birthday. And one of my family friends was like, oh, Bina, do you want to go watch a movie? And it was like on a Wednesday. And we went and watched a movie at 11 p.m. at night. Oh, wow. And it was like this horror movie about these people being in space. And then they're like, this space alien like was like trying to eat everybody. And it was, I never watch horror movies. It was, was that life? Yes. And yes. I really wanted to see it because I like sci-fi, mm-hmm. sciencey movies. And I loved The Martian. No. And I thought it was going to be the same. And it yeah. wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, but I still, like, have a affection for that movie because it was such a stupid time. Like, <laughs> we just finished dinner on a Wednesday night and then we went for a movie at 11pm and it was, like, the best. And then after we, the movie finished, we had a blackout and then we, like, drove home in the dark. And if you've ever driven home in a blackout, like, just think, there's just no light. 
my whole suburb was like in darkness and just like this whole experience of that whole day really like changes my memory of the movie life that's life for you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like i had this question when generally i go for a movie that how much percentage of this uh, this uh, film or cinematography will really uh, based on today's or coming future research like some yeah. like the one movie which really fascinated me was transcendence and if we like if you guys so uh, like seen that anybody uh, i have what's it about sorry it's about uh, it's about water having a memory and you are oh. uh, really uh, healing whole planet with that and like your consciousness uh, is getting uh, the technology has been raised so much that your consciousness has been now can be uploaded in in cloud so you never die it's got Johnny oh. Depp in it mm. yeah and and uh, recently i just got to know that like artificial intelligence is really working on this this thing like they are competing science with consciousness and i don't know maybe really research is happening and like a good director or a writer or i don't know how do they get how things getting connected but sometimes they are really on papers like yeah so yeah. i just wanted to know that it's like the movie encapsulates the like feeling at the time and like that kind of i when i watch movies like this it like hits you like whoa like this is our reality or it could be our reality mm yeah is that what you're kind of trying to get at yeah yeah but but mostly like how much percentage of sci-fi movies based on realities like i can really see like at present within last 10 years i can really uh, feel that like okay this i i will be uh, experiencing this kind of environment or this kind of uh, uh designs across uh, in the near future but before that it was far away like star wars when came it was yeah. next it, uh, nobody could relate Oh, we still yeah we still can't do half the things that are in Star Wars. Yeah, or like <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Is that the genius? When when sci-fi movies are coming up, you can really relate. Maybe next twenty years it can be. Yeah, so like things in your life. More research based, I think. They are more research based. Movies right now are more research based and more. They are thinking towards the upcoming future, or creating a benchmark for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like two things. One, um it just my favorite thought exercise just in life but with me to shoot is like what is this like event going to be in a history book and like is it going to be like one chapter or like half a page or I always like to think about that. I'm like it's like the movies that kids in 30 years are going to be watching so that they can learn about how we dealt with the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. or how yeah. we dealt with like like we watched I know my sister and I and I watched Gattaca in high school about the ethics 
and the morals surrounding gene editing. And like that movie was trying to predict the future and we're not there at the moment, but I think that's really interesting. We can't clone dinosaurs yet. <laughs> yeah. I'm going back Unfortunately. To, yeah. <laughs> going yeah, back to Andreas topic, um, do film reviews really matter? I think to some degree, yes. I mean, you don't want to go to a film that has like 10% Rotten Tomatoes and 1% on Metacritic and go, oh yeah, I'm seeing that shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't value <laughs> but, my time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of critics, or a lot of people, or especially film critics, they like to scrutinize like every aspect of a film, like to the lighting, the soundtrack, you know, to, you know, just very trivial aspects of a film that we as audience don't really pay much attention to. You know, we just want to have a good time watching the story, a uh, good time watching the movie. We just want to have a fun time. And yeah, and like Andres said, I think it's also very subjective to your reviews. Some people may want a more fast-paced story. They may want more action, more suspense in the in the film, while others may want more themes, uh, uh, want the film to be more thematic, more, want to have more intellectual themes in the film and perhaps more slow paced. So it really depends on your own opinion of the film as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, in that way, reviews can be helpful if they give you an idea of what the film will be like and whether you might like it. But yeah, you sort of yeah. have to take everything with a grain of salt because that reviewer may have hated it, but it may be exactly what you want. Yeah. Mm. So they, they, they can matter, I think, is what we've come to. <laughs> they can matter, yeah. But not too, like, <laughs> not, it's not an accurate review of what you may find yeah. for the movie. Yeah. It can matter, but at the end of the day, it's not your opinion. Yeah, it's, it's not just your one person's opinion. Yeah. 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 It's like, I always get into those moods. It's like, I just want this very specific movie. I always struggle. It's like, I want a heist movie where they explain to me how they did the heist and they succeeded. And that's just such a, like, minuscule genre with not a lot of movies in it. I'm like, I want this specific type of heist movie. And Have I'm you like, seen Ocean's 8? Oh my God, Ocean's, the series, is my jam. You don't understand. <laughs> I love those movies. Anyway. They're pretty good. They're really entertaining. So good. And then yeah. you just question, why is... Brad Pitt eating so much food. Why? <laughs> in every scene, Brad Pitt's just eating in those movies. Um, I know that because, oh, what's that? It's like all the things wrong with um, the YouTube series and they like just watch the movie and they just count all the mistakes and then they just take off points for no reason. Like Brad Pitt's eating off another point. Is that Cinema Sins? Yes. Oh Sin my God. Oh, Don't yeah. get me started. <laughs> But I tend to only, like, you don't want to watch Cinema Sins, like, on a movie that you haven't watched yet because it spoils exactly. it. That's so true. it's, like, it's a review of the movie in a comical way, but you've already watched the movie, so, like, you already have an opinion about it yeah. in a way. So it's, like, you're, like, reviewing it together. And <laughs> it's, like, fun. They're, like, hey, that table wasn't there in the first scene, but now it's back. Or, like, that briefcase has moved within these two scenes and, like, Nobody picked it up in editing. Like it's like pointing out exactly mistakes. But I'm like such an avid like movie TV show watcher that I like notice those mistakes. And as soon as I notice them, I can never like unnotice them. It's like like the Gandalf was wearing sneakers. Oh my god! 
the Mathater and like Jurassic Park, for example, and now I can like never watch that movie the same way. And it's just like once you see them, you can't unsee them. For example, like in the scene in the kitchen when the Velociraptor is coming through the door, and there's like a sh- like a moving shot of it like showing the Velociraptor in the doorway, and it's obviously like a guy in a suit, but we don't know that. But just if you look really closely, you can see someone's hand go and sort of like balance the actual maquette of the Velociraptor, and I'm just like I can never unsee that now. It's like um, we learned in one of my journalism classes last week how to do this kind of cut, which is called the J and L cut in editing. Yeah, we love like, those two. Yeah, basically you just um, move, like you change the audio and the visual so they're not connected. So mm-hmm. when the person who's talking changes, the visual doesn't change straight away. So you only change one thing at a time. And I was like to my tutor, Janet, yesterday, I'm like, Janet, you've watched what movie? You have ruined movie watching for me because now I watch movies and all I see is J&L cuts <laughs> and I can't turn that side of my brain off. It Wait does kind of ruin you. Too. Yeah, so once, I wouldn't want to be a movie critic. Well, once you learn too much about anything, you start, you start particularly any kind of entertainment thing. Like I watch um, comedy shows and I'm just sort of pulling them apart, trying to figure out what they're like <laughs> or like <laughs> what, what they're doing and... Yeah, it kind of turns on a different part of your brain, which is yeah. a shame. Can I ask what shows you're binging on? What what shows are you watching? Oh, Great well, question, Sean. <laughs> How, long have, How yeah, long have yeah. you got? How long have you got? What shows have you been watching, Andreas and Eve? Um, I started watching... Oh, I was watching Trinkets the other day on Netflix. It's like a TV show about these three... It's like a teen um, TV show. It's like these three girls in high school that are like all from different cliques, but they all are kleptomaniacs, and they oh. all meet each other at um, like a like an A and A, but for kleptomaniacs. <laughs> and and they like start stealing more things. <laughs> oh yeah, they challenge each other to steal stuff, and who like they're like okay, be back in an hour. Whoever gets the best thing gets to keep all the stuff they stole. Which, yeah, I'm not just, that's like the first episode, so it just escalates. They're stealing escalates from there. Cool. And. That's like when people go to prison and they learn new new techniques to do crime better. Of course. (laughs) They're learning in there. And I've been like half watching The Good Place with my sister because she started watching it. And The Good Place is just the best. I love The Good Place. Have you seen it, Sean? No. I'm not um, too into comedy. I prefer more serious yeah. shows. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. It is, yeah. it's, it's got an I'm interesting... Watching, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm watching oh, Ozark. Anyone watch Ozark? Oh, oh, yeah. I've heard that's good. I haven't mm. watched it yet. Are you enjoying it? Are you enjoying it? It's a brilliant it? show, yeah. Brilliant show. If you're into drug cartels, it's just about this guy <laughs> who laundered money for, for a Mexican drug cartel. And the consequences he gets by not having, oh my God, <laughs> not paying his debt to the drug okay. cartel. So he and his whole family has to flee away from the whole town. And it's a lot of, he gets caught up in a lot of events. And it's, it's a really fun watch. Mm. It's slow paced at times, but it's fun. <laughs> I've heard really good things about it. My housemate um, was watching it and enjoyed it. And I've seen like little snippets. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm more of a comedy binger myself. Like I, was, I started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, that's that's really good. I really enjoy that. And um, last night I started watching Mindy Kaling's new show, Never Have I Ever. Oh, is that good? My Housemate Night. Yeah, I would I would rate it actually. I mean, obviously, it's really interesting watching the pilots and being like, oh, it's so awkward. Mm. <laughs> it's like I a first day or <laughs> I can't you know watch for tea movies. But it's like it's always so like the start, the first episode of almost any show is a bit like off kilter like when you watch it later you can see that they're trying to do so much establishment of the storyline and um that sort of takes over the actual action like things happening and them happening well and then obviously all the cast are new to each other so they're kind of you can almost feel that awkwardness around each other as they sort of settle in and then it just gets things usually pick up the pace but uh working on a pilot would be so stressful being like please (laughs) Give us money to make the rest. Watch the rest of our show. But Sean, if you like serious TV shows, um, I've been watching Secret City with my boyfriend, and that's really good. It's about oh, yeah. like, um, have you watched it? No, I haven't. It's about like, um, well, about a journalist, um, but I didn't <laughs> start course. watching it because it was about a journalist. That just happened yeah. to be a happy coincidence. Um, she's investigating this, um, this politician and it's set in Australia and it's about the Australian and Chinese relations and um but it's like she's trying to investigate this person that's gone missing from the Chinese embassy who's an Australian citizen um and it's really interesting to see that like that relationship play out in this show while also watch it kind of play out in the politics realm at the moment ah um I wanted to say, actually, we were talking before about um, the experience of actually watching something. So, say, with something like a, a movie, whether you see it in the theatre or whether you watch it at home and, and you know, maybe you've got, like, you're, while you're at home, you're just checking your phone as well or, as my housemate does, playing a game on his phone at the same time <laughs> or checking Facebook or messaging people. So um, there's, yeah, there's this, uh, I guess, your enjoyment of something and how seriously it could be, how seriously you're taking it as well is kind of dependent on the attention you give it. And um, I remember, Neve, you were telling me about a musician, which kind of segued from um, from the idea of watching movies and, and giving something your attention to being an audience. And it segued into that idea, uh, your topic of boredom. And I wondered if you could tell us about that because I love that example. Yes. I am just going to quickly... I had to fact check myself because when I was talking to you, Elizabeth, I realised that my memory from like four years ago is not good. But (laughs) basically it's this uh, performance artist. Her name's Marina Abramovic. Oh, yeah, Abramovic. Yeah, she's a very famous performance artist. Yeah, she does this really intense stuff. Like she, um, one of her famous ones is where she just like invites people, she sits in a room and invites somebody else to sit in front of her and just like they stare at each other in silence which sounds kind of awkward but also like it was really profound for those people that kind of went she teamed up with this um pianist Igor Levitt and he learnt um the Goldberg variations by Bach which is like Bach's one of Bach's hardest musical pieces he learnt it off by heart for this um Mm -hmm. performance and Marina's side of it was that she got her audience, the audience, their ticket could be exchanged at the door for a key to a locker. And in that locker, they had to put all their phones, 
their watches, anything that had an outside signal, anything that told the time in that locker and lock it up. And then they had to sit with noise cancelling headphones on for half an hour before the performance started at all. And um, the, the pianist, Igor, he also had to, he also sat in silence for half an hour, like just on the stage. So he was just sitting in silence for half an hour and then Igor breaks the silence by starting to play after 30 minutes is up and he plays this really hard piano piece by memory with no music in front of him, which is quite an amazing feat. And I think it just sounds, at first it sounds so strange because you're like, why would I pay to sit in silence? And um, I was reading this interview, I'll link it in the chat and the Facebook group afterwards between um, this journalist, Manish Samarodi. She was like, but I could just sit in silence at home. Like, or we're adults, like, can't you just, you just put our phones away. And Marina was saying that, she's like, well, if Eagle spent all this time and hard work, like, re- memorising this piece for you, like, you can spend that time and hard work and respecting him and putting it away, putting your phones away. And she basically said that, like, the audience wasn't ready to hear the music because they were just too worried about everything else. So she like forced her audience into the state where they just have to just have nothing in their brain. They can't think of anything else because they can't think about how long they've been sitting there because they don't know. It's just like nothingness. And then they were able to like really appreciate the music. Basically the point was that they were trying to, um, a reimagining of like a traditional concert where people were really, really hyper-focused on that one idea, which comes back to what we were talking about earlier, like people going on their phones in the cinema or the theatre, like that's just simply not possible, um, which I just find is so crazy, but also like makes a lot of sense, especially because now like you just, I'm always sitting on my phone, or like I, I'm really bad, I go on my phone all the time, my boyfriend would just take my phone off me, he's like, can we just watch the movie? Like, <laughs> if you don't want to watch it, we'll watch something else. Um, so, yeah, I think that's an interesting concept and kind of, like you said, Elizabeth, relates to both of our topics this week because I feel like for reviews you have to be kind of present to watch the movie and mm. give your own opinion. And, yeah, it's just an interesting thought. And um, and relating to your topic, like, um, yeah, is that sort of like clearing out of distractions? Does that make you more ready to appreciate something or more ready to to listen, I guess, rather even than hear, to actually listen, because that's a more active yeah. verb, you know. So, yeah, I guess I'll talk a bit about my topic. My question yeah. that I posed today was, are there benefits to boredom? And it was kind of, it's inspired by that journalist that interviewed uh, Marina. She um, named Manoush Samarudi. And Manoush is, um, she runs a podcast called Note to Self, but in the TED Talk that I shared on the Facebook group, she was sharing how, like, she was had a baby and had, the only way her baby would sleep if she, like, rocked it in its pram. So she'd, like, go on miles, walking for miles just so that her baby could sleep. And she was just, like, couldn't do anything in that time. And it was, like, a period when the iPhone had just been released. And so she kind of came up with this idea where um, if you took the phones and distractions away, um, you'd be more bored and have more time Um to think of those great ideas or just time to mull over a solution. So on her podcast, um, she has a book, technically a self-help book, but I was thinking today as I was writing my notes because we had a big discussion last week about 
self-help and the commodity of self-help, but the stuff in her book actually came from a social experiment she did on her podcast where people in 2015-16 could sign up to this like online program and then they did every week they did a different challenge so the first challenge is like to observe your phone activity and then um the second challenge is no phones while in motion so anytime you're walking on the train you just put your phone away um having a photo free day where you take no photos no photos of your food no photos of anything you just experience the moment then um deleting your bad habit app and for Manoush it was Candy Crush um back in 2015 she deleted Candy Crush she's like I'm not going to play it anymore um and a whole bunch of people in that episode I remember like deleted all of their social media every single app and I was 15 at the time I was listening to this and like social media was my whole life and I was like how would I connect to any of my friends if I didn't have social media and I was like hmm what's it like to be an adult? And then now I'm kind of like, oh, I definitely just delete it all if I could. Um, and then she encourages to take a vacation where you just basically sign off and have a automated message that says, I'm not at work anymore. Like I'll get back to you the next day. And then taking th- the last step is what the whole book is about, bored and brilliant. And it's just taking 30 minutes with a problem that you've had or an idea that you want to develop and just doing nothing, or if you can't do nothing, watching water boil or writing numbers down from one to a hundred, and just thinking about that idea um, in order to, and then writing down all your solutions at the end of the 30 minutes. So the point is that for Manoush, that if people would just be a little bit more still or a little bit, had that time to kind of think or think over problems, um, they might be able to get an even better solution or be more creative or brilliant, as her book says. Yeah, I thought, just wondering anybody's experience. I know for myself that sometimes if I've had a long day I've at uni, like I'd get up early at 6 a.m., I listen to the morning podcast, I do a whole bunch of news reading before I get to uni, full day of classes, talking to people, I get on the 5 o'clock train and I'm like, I don't want to hear anybody's voice. Like, I just want to sit in silence. And I do find that I just sometimes I need that break where I'm just like, there's just so much noise everywhere. Like, I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to listen to a podcast on the train home. I'm just going to sit here. And I think, yeah, I really enjoy those times sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so interesting the way our minds work and the more we understand about them and the way... I guess our lives are now, there's just constant distraction in a way that there just wouldn't have been um, not even that long ago. Like I remember being at high school and there wasn't social media. <laughs> like I could text my friends, I could watch something on the TV, I could read a book, like the internet, I could, I guess, you know, Wikipedia was starting to be invented. <laughs> like you just didn't, you didn't spend, and, and like there was one computer between the families so you'll have to fight over it. Like. I kind of, I guess I, I'm the generation, I'm 32, like I'm a generation that sort of bridged that time of being a digital native and not being a digital native, like a time when, you know, you still had to dial, dial up internet and stuff. And it's kind of, I mean, but even then I lived through it and I kind of forget because I've had a smartphone for, I don't know how many years now, like six, seven years. And I'm like, what? I mean, I don't know how to get to my mom's house, even though I've driven there however many times. <laughs> like I, I need Google Maps. <laughs> like it's like we've outsourced a lot of our yeah. thinking capabilities 
but what have we replaced it with <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah I know when I'm driving if I don't have like if I'm driving somewhere where I need to be somewhere I, I know how to get there and I sometimes I try and challenge myself of like I'm not going to use the maps because I know like I can direct you I know how to get there but if I need to be there at a certain time, I just feel anxious not knowing what time I'm going to get there because Google Maps tells me what time yeah. I'm expected to arrive, even though it's probably wrong because it doesn't account for traffic. It's like, oh my God, what? I don't know what time it is. I don't have any idea how long this is going to take me. It's just like that anxious feeling that is not necessary because I know how to get someplace. Yeah. So we've got like more certainty, but at what cost? Yeah. <laughs> no. Because, and again, it's not real certainty because Google Maps constantly changes its estimates. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a feeling of certainty um, or just that feeling of distraction and connection. But is it real connection? Because, like, I think we're all finding now, like, it's not, um, you know, it's not the same as meeting up in person. And it's not the same as seeing people in person. Um, and so that sort of is a bit of a, I guess and some things like the social idea of social media can be a bit of an illusion, although sometimes it's a really amazing way to form communities and those things are like the salon, which is an online community. But yeah, I think there is something really interesting about that for me, particularly about that idea of boredom. Like I'm actually doing The Artist's Way at the moment, which is this book, uh, like an um, exercise book on creativity. And this week I'm supposed to be avoiding reading and avoiding TV. And I have not I was like okay I'll do this on Monday and then on Monday I was like Tuesday we're starting Tuesday and today I'm like Wednesday it is <laughs> um, because the idea of doing this for a whole week I'm like what what god I <laughs> go it, insane <laughs> but like... it is also partly to force you into that state of boredom I think yeah. because it does because she was like what are you going to do well I guess you could like do all those things she made you write down a, a list of hobbies that you'd like to try and she was like, well, there's that list. You could do those. And I was like, what? <laughs> Actually, start on the project? What? what? That sounds like a lot more work than That's putting on. That's a fictionalised idea, I think. Like... I know. I feel attacked. That's um, really interesting. Like, that whole idea of, like, the whole social media and it being really weird and whatnot. And, like, yeah, there is that sort of connection of um, you just feel there's, like, that sort of weirdness towards like a FaceTime call or like social media nowadays and whatnot. It's really interesting because um, I saw this post on my friend's Facebook story and it was sort of, not Instagram story and it was sort of like a meme sort of thing, but it wasn't sort of like that as well. It was more like realistic and actually made me think like, yeah, that's actually really true. Where it was, um, but well, no, it wasn't sort of like that. It was more along the lines of say who your true friends are, say who you really think are loyal and whatnot. And the comment after at the bottom, it was like people who constantly need to, feel like they're being checked up on and constantly need to check up and blah, 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 blah. And judging who their real friends are, it's sort of like this narcissistic way of thinking about it. And it was just really interesting to feel like, yeah, you don't always need to be like constantly checking up on everybody because um, even though in a time like this, it's really uh, heavy with the whole world being in a bit of a rough place, but at the same time, it doesn't impede your friendship by the fact that you're not checking up on everybody 24 seven as well. Well, there's sort of that, there's quality attention and there's quantity attention. That's I true. I feel like, because I could send out a message to 50 friends being like, hey, how are you? And <laughs> it wouldn't be that I really cared about all 50 of them. It would be that I'm like, dick, <laughs> I feel like um, a better friend. Yeah. I saw the same post, Andreas, I think, or something yeah. similar, but somebody had commented something like, or it was like, 
we're in a pandemic. Your friends may not check up on you. And that doesn't... That's the same one. That's the same yeah, one, yeah. It doesn't actually... That doesn't have any measurement of their wealth as friends. Nothing and I know that, like, I have heaps of friends that from high school or, like, from other parts of my life where maybe we'll meet up in person once every six months if we're lucky. But every time we do meet up, we have great conversations. And it's like we haven't missed... Like, we've... It was as if we caught up every week and we have a great chat. And it's like, we I don't want to berate myself because I, like, didn't catch up with them, like, as much as I should. Because when we do catch up, it's actually good. And maybe if we did catch up every week, it wouldn't be as fun because we'd probably have nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there should be a word in English. I don't think that one exists for that sensation you get or a specific kind of friends where it's not all friends. Like, some friends, it sort of seems to rely more on proximity. But... There's definitely friends I have where we could not speak for years. And when we do speak, it's just like, bam, we're back together. Like, this is how it always was. Like, it's an interesting phenomenon when you get to know people like that. It's really interesting. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I I think, yeah, it's it's quality versus quantity. So I guess there's that sort of like level of depth we're thinking that you might be able to get to when you're not sort of being distracted all the time. Like, um, I know that I uninstalled Facebook from my phone and um, I've been trying to do that this week I kind of was like well I feel like Facebook and Instagram are probably quite a lot like reading in terms of this <laughs> challenge I set myself because it's mindlessly looking at something like it's a tranquilizer so this experience is kind of similar so I was like I should try and stop but um, yeah I think I've thought about that before being like okay I'm going to uninstall my email apps and I'll just check things once a day mm-hmm. and then I get frightened um, I wanted to ask uh, if you each uh, had a, an app that you would get rid of, what you were saying of like those, what, what is it, the time-sucking apps? Is that what yeah. you call them, Nate? To call, yeah. Uh, delete that time-wasting bad habit app. Yeah. yeah, okay. So for me, it's definitely, I think, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. But did you have one, Sean, that you would get rid of if you um, were getting rid of an app? You mean on my phone? Yeah. yeah. Lots, lots of them that serve no purpose to me. Let me just check. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably get rid of Wallet, um, iTunes, App, Home, Health. Those don't really mean much to me. Yeah. Do you spend a lot of time on them? Is there one that you spend no, a lot of time on? I don't spend on, any time like, at all. Oh, I don't that's great. Yeah. I think that's, um, do you find yourself, do you find that there's an app that you sort of, I, well, I, I don't want to say waste time because I think it's sort of, it's subjective. Like you, like, you know, <laughs> um, a friend of mine's an artist and spends a lot of time on Instagram looking at things, but that's mm-hmm. also, you know, it feeds into artistic practice. But I know that personally I'm wasting time on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Would you, would you say that you think there are benefits to boredom, Sean? Have you experienced that? Oh yeah, definitely. As an as an as a natural introvert, we we actually love to hang out on our own. We we don't really like attention. We don't really like spotlight. We just love being on our own and just letting our creative juices run. Yeah, is there something that um uh, you find that you get more creative doing? Like, is there a particular creative yes, yeah. you have? I do get more. I do find myself more energized when I'm by myself. And there's no one distracting me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, I, I find I'm an extrovert, so I need to balance that with 
like social interaction. But I do, if I do too much of that, I do kind of feel a bit tapped out, like you were describing, uh, Neve, where you're just so tired. Yeah. For me, the app, I actually don't have any more. It was Snapchat. But oh. more in the sense of like, <laughs> like, especially at high school, it's like, I just remember, it's such a stupid story. My neighbor having a party and like, I knew every single person at that party. We went to the same high school and I was just like hanging out in my home by myself. And then all these people that I didn't really know, but I did know were like two doors down from me having a party. And like, I didn't even want to be at the party. Like if I got invited, I probably wouldn't have wanted to go or like I would have gone and not had a good time. And I knew that I didn't want to go to that party. But I still kept obsessively checking Snapchat because I asked myself what they're doing because I can hear their music. And I was like, this is so stupid. I'm like, why do I? I'm like, I just, and then I just deleted Snapchat because I'm like, I don't need to know what, I don't need to have this play-by-play of all these other people doing fun things when I don't even want to be doing those things that they're doing. Yeah. 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 And even now people are like, why don't you have Snapchat? I'm like, I just don't need it. Like I have so many social media devices. Yeah. Like, Yeah. And okay. I feel like for me, the ones that I do have kind of serve a purpose. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really I, interesting because um, I know, like, I still have the Snapchat app, but I, like, never go on it. I get, like, notifications from, like, people putting stuff on their stories. Like, I just don't care anymore. I probably should just delete the app, but I don't know why it's still there. But, like, all the time people in, like, high school, not high school, sort of primary school, sort of, like, look at Snap Maps, for example, and seeing, like, where people in our friendship groups are and being like, oh, where are they? Where are they? It's just sort of just like, why? That's a bit weird. I find that a little bit weird. Yeah, when that came out, I was like, "Um, can we maybe talk about the safety of everyone knowing where your house is? Yeah. my friends like, no. It's fun. No, that's creepy. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. I think, like, I just have so much, almost too much self-awareness of, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. I have a very high self-awareness of, like, social media and how it kind of works to keep you sucked in. And in a way, yeah. for me, that, like, justifies me using it because I'm like, I know that I'm being cheated, so <laughs> in a way I'm self-aware. But also, like, things like Snapchat notifies you when um, people are typing. Like, this person is typing a message. Or things like TikTok where there's no end to like the news feed whereas with Instagram I think I said this the other day it's like I'm bored of Instagram because I've watched everybody's uploads and no one's doing anything fun so no one's mm-hmm. uploading to Instagram yeah. like there's an end point where you've like just don't have any more you content finished. to see yeah I finished Instagram <laughs> it's done done I, yeah I think as well I guess nothing none of these apps is potentially inherently bad I mean yes they are designed to capture our attention and monetize it. So they are designed to sort of operate on really basic sort of functions of our minds and suck us in. So there is that, I guess. But if we take, if we, if we acknowledge that and put that to one side, like they're not necessarily good or bad, but I guess it's whether or not you're able to use them mindfully, because I think that's what I find the most disturbing myself when I'm using something, an app or, you know, any, or doing anything really. I mean, driving is pretty scary when you realize you haven't been doing it mindfully, but like, <laughs> I'll be like, well, how did I get here? Um, maybe someone should take my license away. Um, but 
I think it's that mindfulness of like, okay, I know that I'm using Twitter for this specific thing and I'm not going to get sucked into a hole of like checking things or just like compulsively, like when you find yourself opening the app without really thinking about it or picking up your phone when checking that there's nothing on it and then being like, oh, maybe I'll just open something and have a quick look. And then it's sort of, that's when I start to feel a bit uneasy, I think, because I feel like I'm getting sort of too sucked into something. I just, when that happens to me, I rearrange my apps. Um, because then I like go to click on an app and I'm like, this isn't what I wanted. I'm like, what did I want? I'm like, Instagram. I'm like, where is the Instagram app oh anymore? God. I did that recently. I rearranged all my apps and it's so weird. Cause like, where's the Google app? Like, wait, what? It's just like, it feels like hiding the chocolate biscuits in the house. Yeah. Like, where did I put them? I need to really, really want Damn them. It. <laughs> It'll give me enough pause to think about whether or not I really need a chocolate biscuit yeah. <laughs> as to whether I can go and find the step to get to the high shelf. <laughs> Tears the house up. Yeah, 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 exactly. The house is in ruins. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. These, I guess, is that, it, I guess, this sort of boredom thing again comes back to self awareness of like realizing that maybe you need that time. Um, but I do think the pace of modern life makes it harder to set aside that sort of time. Like, if I was to tell people, oh, yeah, so I'm not answering messages for this half a day because I need to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine like you know my job being like uh that's not an option <laughs> or you know like I don't think that many workplaces would be into you sitting around and doing nothing for an hour <laughs> so you yeah. could really think about that problem um, and I but, also find that like I think everything comes in moderation sometimes mm. I find that like especially when there's a big news story that breaks um, I'm like, I'm a journalist, student journalist, and I must know every single thing so that I can like tell people and I get into the sleep writers, consume so much information. So I'm like, I want to know what's going on. Like it's important. And then I justify it. Cause I'm like, this is my degree. Like I pay a lot of money for other people. Tell me what's going on. I got to know as well. And so I find that it's really important to be like self-aware. I'm like, actually, do I need to listen to eight um, news bulletin podcasts from around the world? No, I don't need that. <laughs> Well, there is a limited amount of information the human brain can contain also. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I feel like the kind of 24-hour news cycle also sort of feeds into that whole thing of like in the old days, there was the news, you got the news at 9 a.m. in the morning and 5 p.m. at night. And then anything that happened in between those times, they told you about it at 9 a.m. So like, <laughs> you know, there wasn't <laughs> like you, it kind of like, I remember listening to a speech by Paul Keating, the like, Prime Minister, the old Prime Minister, and he was talking about how he got acupuncture. He was like, acupuncture is amazing. You know, you'd have acupuncture an hour and you'd get up and you'd feel like you did it on a Monday morning, you know, like after a weekend's rest. And I was like, what politician has a weekend now? Yeah. <laughs> what person has a weekend now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this idea that you would have stopped working for two whole days, like actually stopped working. Mm. Although I have really tried to implement that the last couple, like this year, I was like, I think it's important though because we we aren't like theoretically designed to have like a constant stream of information funneling into mm. our minds at all times. Yes. So there is like I mean there's a pretty they've they've like pretty well documented side effects of that where we all get quite anxious, mm. um, and and spend a lot of time sort of hunched over our phones. Like there's like physiotherapists have like terms for the kinds of injuries we have now because they're on computers. <laughs> and so yeah. Oh yeah. It's intense. Um, 
but yeah, I think definitely for creativity, I've read a lot about that, the, the needing support, like you need that boredom because then you will find something to do. Whereas yeah. if you, it sort of makes you more, perhaps it makes you more active because I feel like when you're consuming information or you're consuming entertainment, it's a bit more passive. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I even find like sometimes I'll need to like do a pitch for an assignment and I'll just like think about it on the way to work. And I'm like, don't turn on the radio, like just sit in silence in your car, just like have a little chat to yourself about what you want to do. And like just thinking about it, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes of watching a pot boil, but like just thinking about it on the 10 minute drive to work, I kind of just like feel better. And I kind of get that time to just like actually think through a problem rather than like trying to just find a solution. And I guess that kind of comes back to like, um, wanting instant gratification to a problem like sometimes like there's no instant solution sometimes you do have to think about it and like sometimes you do have to especially like as a creative like you have to dig through bad ideas to get to good ideas and like you have to allow your brain to like have your brain just like you want an information here and it's like just spouts you randomness and you're like what but you need to like yeah far through those <laughs> you need to have your first draft you, yeah. let, you have your thought first um that makes me think of actually like I often listen I listen to music a lot so I have like music on in the background almost all the time when I'm doing stuff and like and I think there is an element where silence is also good and I probably need more of it because um like back to what you were saying about like that or it kind of reminded me of you know the um Marina Abramovich and I uh, Igor I've forgotten his last name the pianist but that in the old times like before you know even before record players and stuff like that like you would if you wanted to hear music you had to sing it <laughs> or play it like that was the only time there was music and so there was a lot more silence there would have been a lot more silence and a lot more and it may be a more conscious listening because you're like oh what a treat yeah not like oh I'll just put wax spotify on again <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or you'd spent your whole time, your sister was learning to play a piano. I like, like the Pride and Prejudice movie where the sister's trying yeah. to play a piano. She's like, bad. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and it's like, imagine if that was just the soundtrack to your life. <laughs> <laughs> and so when you got to hear good music being played by like a person that actually knew how to play piano, like you'd sit up and pay attention because you had... <laughs> clashy chords in your house this whole time yeah or nothing yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know I mean I feel like probably the bad music is probably worse yeah definitely. <laughs> or it's like now to concentrate people like listen to like coffee sounds and ambient noises yes has anyone ever done that yes no is it like a, is it it's, I'm assuming it's like a like on Spotify you can find a track of a coffee shop yeah there's like Spotify or you can get like ambient noise mixes where you can have like rainforest noise or coffee oh my God. there's this really fun one it's like um rain sounds in Jurassic Park it's so relaxing like the distant tropical sound like the brachiosaurus in the background oh that sounds nice yeah I mean nice, a, a coffee but... shop feels a bit intense <laughs> It, yeah, it's fine. One skinny like, from Jodo. It's yeah. just kind of like, yeah, like background noise that kind of keeps you focused. But, and it's nice, but I do find that after doing, like you couldn't do it all day, I find it exhausting. Because 
because I I think I find it exhausting because I'm concentrating so much um like I'm like okay I just need a break from noise and I need a break from like what I've been doing yeah I mean I guess we we kind of like our our whole physiology is kind of related to the way our brains take up a huge quantity of our resources so that's why we like um I this is going to be a bit uh janky because I'm remembering what, what I'm like the, the factoid I'm trying to remember but I know that cooking food means that we um get a lot more nutrients from it and it allowed us to get bigger brains like once we figured out that we could do that because if you've got to eat raw vegetables for a long time like it's, it's you've got to eat a lot of raw vegetables to get the same amount of nutrients from it as you do by cooking something like it sort of unlocks a lot more so I remember that being one of the factors that led to our brains getting bigger and bigger but our brains are massive and they account for a huge amount of our like energy intake and our body's sort of energy out like sort of requirements and so that's why when you spend a day like just sitting but thinking a lot you're just wrecked yeah. you've got to like we kind of don't think about it though like we're like I should be fine I should be ready to do anything you know what I mean like yeah. we don't think about mental output in the same way we would if we were moving chairs around all day definitely mm. even in a way like just doing those mindless tasks like that's what allows you to have more thoughts but when you're just constantly on the looking at the screen doing stuff like yeah I've noticed I have a lot of isolation like oh my god I need to get to the end of 5 30 I'm like I want to pack up and do nothing yeah, you have to switch off. You want to do the brain equivalent of lying in the garden on a sun lounger. Yes. Oh my God, me. There's still a tiny bit of sun left. There is. Oh. We still could. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's where we should we should we should draw it to a close today. Thank you for listening to the salon episode five. Special thanks to Elizabeth for organizing and facilitating our discussion to the RMIT Capital Club and RMIT Journalism Society for contributing to the discussion. Thanks to Neve for editing our podcast, Ben for writing our theme song, and to all of our participants on Tuesday. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, The Salon, RMIT Creative. You can join us from the Facebook group next Tuesday at 3pm or we'll be back in your ears next Friday.